Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever known somebody who used to be a Christian? Who used to be a Christian? Do you ever wonder what went wrong? How is it possible that a person born, raised in the church, baptized, confirmed, part of Sunday school, regular attendance, could just walk away? Have you known people like that? I'm sure you've not only known people like that, but you also have some sense of sorrow, of anguish over not seeing their faces again. Am I right? They had all these blessings. They knew their Bible. They learned their catechism. They had a Christian family. They were members and they served. Where did it all go wrong? Why don't they this is the kind of question which the Apostle Paul is asking in our epistle reading. Last week we read that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And no sooner has Paul said this than he immediately thinks about his fellow Israelites. Paul's talking about the people of God, God's chosen people. And Paul is agonizing over it. He has deep sorrow, even wishes that he could be cut off from Christ, and by doing so, he could save his fellow Israelites. That's how deeply Paul feels this sorrow. The question on the table is this, what went wrong? Why did Israel, though they had the Messiah, reject him? Why didn't Israel believe? If nothing can separate you from the love of Christ, how did Israel end up separated from the love of Christ? Why, given their special status as God's priestly people, with all of the covenants and the promises and the worship and the legislation and the prophets, why did Israel not get behind? Jesus? It's a tough question, but it's an important one, and it's important for us here today because we face a similar question. But behind this, there's another question. What makes you a Christian? Is it special privileges or blessings? Does having parents or grandparents who are Christians, is that what makes you Christian? Does attending church, having knowledge of the Bible, make you a Christian? No. Those things do not make you a Christian. That's Paul's point. You can have all of the privileges and blessings associated with the church and not actually belong to the people of God. So, am I a Christian because I live a good Christian life? Or am I a Christian because I chose 
to believe in Jesus. You see, people tend to think that what makes a person a Christian are one of those three things. Either the blessings of your Christian heritage, or because you live a good life, or because you chose to believe in Jesus. In contrast to all these things, Paul gives us two Old Testament Bible stories. The first one is Abraham. Abraham had two sons, you'll remember, Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael was the son of Abraham, but he was not the son of Sarah. No, Sarah allowed her servant Hagar to be the mother. Because Abraham didn't believe God's promise would be fulfilled through Sarah. So Ishmael was denied the inheritance because he was not conceived out of faith, but by Abraham's own works. And that's the point. Isaac, Abraham's son, born to his wife Sarah, is the son of the, prom of the promise. He's the one who was conceived not by natural means, but by the word of God. The one conceived because of faith, not works. And so, just because you're descended from Abraham doesn't automatically put you into the people of God, doesn't lead you an Israelite. It's by faith, not works. Trust in the promise, not taking matters into your own hands or being born in the right family. Isaac shows us that the people of God are defined by trust in God's promise. The people of God are defined by trust in the promise. Again, he gives us a second story. This time, Rebecca, with her two twins, Jacob and Esau. Esau was the firstborn. Jacob came out second, grabbing onto the heel of his brother. And he rode in his coattails ever since. But even before the twins were born, while Rebecca was wondering what all that kicking and fighting was going on in her womb, God told her that the older would serve the younger. God chose Jacob. There's no human reason to choose between them. They were twins. Yet God made the choice before either of them were born, and he made the choice before the boys could prove themselves or do anything, either good or bad. God chose the second, Jacob, to carry the promised seed of salvation, to be the one through whom the lineage of the Messiah would come. So Jacob shows us that the people are God People of God are defined not by our choice, but by God's choice. So Paul's making a point here. We don't choose God, he chooses us. The choice is his and his alone. That choice is not based on a person's family, morality, or privileges. It's not by works. And that choice of God is put into effect. It is made real by the Holy Spirit calling through the gospel. God does not wait to see if you're going to believe and then choose 
us because he knows that we will believe. No, God does not choose because we believe. God chooses us in order that we might believe. We might trust the promise. You're not a Christian because of your family. You're not a Christian because you chose to believe. You're not a Christian because you had the blessings and privileges of being raised in a Christian home. You're a Christian because God chose you and gave you faith through the call of the gospel. And then the response of many, maybe even your thought as I say this is, that's not fair. That's not fair. And Paul knows you're thinking this. Because his very next words are, well, is there injustice on God's part? By no means, God forbid, the King James says. God is not acting based on what we deserve. You don't want God to act based on what you deserve. That's not, that's not what you want. That's not a good time. Does a person on death row deserve to go free? If a person's on death row, what do they deserve? Death row. Especially if it's proven, right? So if the president or prime minister pardons somebody on death row, can another person say that's not fair? No. You can't say that mercy is not fair. It's a gift. Paul says that the choice of God does not depend on your works. It doesn't depend on your faith, but on one solitary thing. It depends on God's mercy. His mercy. That's the key. Isaac shows us that the people of God are defined by trust in the promise. Jacob shows us that the people of God are defined by God's own choice. Paul now adds the basis, the reason for that choice. And, it, and the reason for the choice of the promise is entirely because of God's undeserved mercy. That's why God had a nation of Israel to show his mercy. Because of his mercy, God made for himself a people out of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. However, only a small remnant of Israelites actually trusted in God's promises and not in themselves. And in the end, faithful Israel can be reduced to one man on a cross. One perfect Jew who kept the Torah, who kept the law when no one else could, God's only begotten Son. God's mercy shown to Israel, shown to the world, is focused like a laser beam on Jesus. He goes through water and the wilderness. He's God's beloved Son. He is the very presence of God on earth, the true and everlasting temple. His sacrifice replaces all those animal sacrifices. By his death and resurrection, he goes into exile and returns. Out of this one faithful Jew comes salvation for the whole world. So what's going on in one word? Mercy. 
Mercy shown towards you because of his son, Jesus. That's what God wants, that all will be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. He's willing to make those who are his mortal enemies his people. He invites his enemies to be his family. Is God crazy? No, he's merciful and gracious for Jesus' sake. And that mercy and grace are not based on how well you've kept the rules, whether they're rules about the firstborn or our own rules of fairness or any other rules. That's the point of it all. Salvation is by grace, a free gift, undeserved, unmerited, granted to you for Jesus' sake because of his death and resurrection. The promise is not just for some. No, God has offered mercy to everybody. Trust in God, no matter who you are. Trust in Him and His promises, and you will be freely forgiven. Try to do it yourself, or go your own way, and you're going to fail every time. God is not unjust, because the same mercy is offered freely, and is available to absolutely everybody. The reason why Israel, the reason why some who were raised in this parish uh, do not have faith is not because of God. No, it's their own fault. They rejected Christ and stubbornly refused to trust in God. They turned away from God. They were not willing to allow the Holy Spirit to work through the Word. God extends His hand of mercy to everybody. And many just slap it away. Well, did the Word of God fail because the Israelites didn't believe? Did it fail because there may be some who went to this church who no longer believe? Paul's answer? No. In fact, it succeeded beyond expectations. From one man, Abraham, came the nation of Israel. From the nation of Israel came one man, Jesus Christ. From that man, Jesus Christ, came, comes salvation for the world. The promise of forgiveness, life, and salvation flows out throughout the world by the preaching of the gospel. God offers everyone including you today, eternal life and forgiveness for Jesus' sake. You have faith, you trust in the promises here today. And that is proof that God's word has not failed. God has not let you down. What about those who don't believe? The problem is not on God's side. He is not withheld from them his mercy. The problem is with them. If you reject Christ and the gospel, you have no one to blame but yourself. But if you trust God, if you are saved, then thank God. It's God's work and His alone, based entirely upon His mercy for you in Jesus Christ. May that peace, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.
You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.